welcome back to another episode of the Carter Cast. I'm your host, Carter Bond. With me always is Connor doing NBA and college basketball today. We were going to have a guest on today. We had a guest planned and everything, but with everything that's been happening, Duke Carolina this past weekend, some more stuff in college basketball, NBA trade deadline, Kyrie getting traded, we had to just do a two-man podcast. Too much for us to talk about. Connor, how you doing? Doing good, man. Uh, I, think, I think we can handle it today. I think there's enough content uh, we can get into in the NBA, obviously the Kyrie trade, LeBron's cryptic tweets, and then you know, Carolina Duke, I'm still repping the heels hat today. Obviously not the result I wanted, but uh, yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, we'll, we'll close with college basketball today. We have to start out in the NBA. Uh, oh, yeah. If you didn't see, if you live under a rock, the Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving was traded to Dallas for, at the moment, we think he's at Dallas. Woj just came out with a tweet saying that right. he, the, the Raptors might be involved, but at the moment... Either way, Kyrie Irving will be on the Dallas Mavericks, and it looks like the initial trade is for Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, a 2027 first-round pick, and some second-round picks to the Brooklyn Nets. And Luka finally has a second superstar. I think think the first-round pick might be 2029. I'm looking at the one right here on by Woj. It could could have been changed. Either way, it's going to I think he went and updated it. But six years, a first-round pick six years from now, you know, who's really thinking about that? This deal, I mean, I, I came out on the pod whenever we were talking about it over the summer, and then whenever Kyrie and Katie both requested out earlier this calendar year, and we were both kind of in agreement that the Mavs were one of the teams that kind of needed to take a swing because as currently constructed as they were, they weren't really going anywhere past maybe the second round of the playoffs if Luka averages 48-8 and eight during the playoffs. Like, that's the only way they're getting past the second round. And that's just not feasible. In a seven-game series, as great as Luka is, teams can lock down and key in on that and like really get a defensive, a defensive strategy going on. They had to take a swing. And as much of a risk as it is, you can't fault the Mavericks for doing this. Because yes, Dinwiddie's a great player. Yes, Dorian Finney-Smith is an underrated role player on a great contract, only 12 new in a year. They had to do this. They had to do this. They had to get a second star beside Luka. And they, they can't waste too many of his prime years. And that's what a lot of these teams are kind of doing. Because that's what Philly did with the James Harden trade. They didn't want to waste any more of Embiid's years. I'm sure Denver's looking to make a move, if not this year, the next year. The West is wide open. And so I think the Mavs did what they had to do. Even if it doesn't mean a guaranteed championship, the, the ceiling is high enough in an open Western Conference that they, they did the right thing in my eyes. But it's Kyrie Irving. It's Kyrie Irving. And they gave up quite a bit for someone that they – People might think he just he's just a rental and then he's just gonna go to LA this summer. Like, of course, you would imagine there would have been a backdoor deal where he says, Hey, I'll be there for two years, three years, whatever, yeah. signs an extension after the year. But you're getting into the Kyrie business, man. Like, that is risky, risky, risky business. I mean, you, that is essentially day trading. Literally two minutes, you're a millionaire. Three minutes later, you're bankrupt. I mean, that's just how it is with Kyrie Irving. You never know. But on the other side of that, I'm not. If if I'm a Mavericks fan, I'm talking myself into this. This is oh, you have to. You have to because the Mavs were not going anywhere with the roster they had. And people argue like, oh well, they should have done Jalen Brunson. Whatever. That's 2020 hindsight. Whatever. Yeah, they should have. We get that. But like right now what were they going to do like what else could they have done they needed a superstar level person to pair with Luca Luca's already a tough person to play with can be 
having yep. a person who can handle the ball, Kyrie Irving fits it perfectly. It's just keeping him under wraps. I, I agree with that 100%. And the thing with the, the, the play style that Luka has, it somewhat emulates LeBron, whereas he's ball dominant, but he's not afraid to distribute. He consistently averages eight assists, you know, triple-double watch every night. He's ball dominant, yes, but he's not afraid to give the ball up and kind of defer. And I think for the Mavericks, their plus-minus with him off the court is, like, unbelievably bad. Like, he literally, he'll exit with an eight-point lead, and then they'll have to come back in, and they're down 10, and it's been six minutes. Like, it's, it's that bad. So having that second guy that, number one, can take over on stretches when Luka's on the bench and kind of lead that second unit whenever Luka does take a quick breather, and number two, just to defer some of the ball handling and playmaking duties from Luka so, so defenses can't just double and triple team him. And then you got, what, Dwight Powell and Finney Smith who shoots, what, 35% from three? It's not, it's not a winning recipe. And Kyrie's shown, I know it was five, six, seven years ago when he played with LeBron, but he has done that before. He has deferred like that before. And he was awesome at times with Durant, who's not as ball dominant, but he can play with a second star. We've seen that with him throughout his career. I know the floor is low, and I know Kyrie's risky, but if you're the Mavs, you're looking at the Western Conference, and you're like, it's kind of wide open. There's not a dominant team. Steph's out four weeks. The Warriors might not even make the playoff. The Suns are in disarray. The Nuggets are the biggest threat. Then you got the Grizzlies, Pelicans, all unproven. This was the time to make a move, because if they wait till the offseason, it could be too late. The other thing, too, is, and people will say, oh, well, you know, they should they shouldn't have gotten Kyrie. They should have gone somewhere else. Well, where else were they going to go at that price? What are you getting, Fred Van Fleet? Like, what does he yeah, really exactly. do for the Mavs? He doesn't make them that much better. If you're giving me Fred Van Fleet instead of Dinwiddie, it's not that big of an upgrade. I'm no. sorry. No. And that's why, like, right now, Woj is tweeting out that the Nets might move Dinwiddie to the Raptors for Van Fleet or whatever, which honestly makes no sense to me. I don't see the, them being that big of a difference between each other. Right. That's a different conversation. Who cares? <laughs> but Kyrie Irving, like, the Mavs had – you're right. Like, the Mavs had to make this move. Because the West is wide open, like you keep saying. Steph is out, so the Warriors, who are the biggest threat, whether they, even if they make, are in the play-in and they win a play-in game and they're in the actual playoffs as a 7-8 seed, they're still the biggest threat. Yeah, I agree. And we can get into them a little bit later. I did want to make one one kind of of bold prediction, kind of a hot take. I'll take a page out of uh, our guy Bill Simmons' book. Turn the TikTok camera on, Carter, because listen, I think we'll know. So Luca's out with a heel contusion right now, and there's no early indication how long it'll be. I'm thinking no more than two weeks, just from the history of that injury in the past. When he comes back, I think we'll know within two weeks of him and Kyrie playing together which which way the Dallas Mavericks are going. I think it's going to be one of two options. I think, number one, they're a seven or eight in the play-in tournament, and they're out in the first round of the playoffs. Number two, so that's their floor in my eyes. Their ceiling is they win the Western Conference and make the NBA Finals. I know that's crazy with the whole Kyrie business, if he buys in in this contract year, if he's so stoked to play with Luka like he says he is and they've okayed it and all this and he's excited to go to Dallas, if he really buys in and a couple dominoes fall in their favor on their playoff run, it's not a stretch to say they win the West. I don't know if I'd go as far to say as they win the title. That's kind of a stretch. I think there's some teams in the East that are a lot better. But they can make it out of the West, especially with some of these powerhouses like the Warriors really looking not so great right now. So that that's their ceiling in my eyes. All. I'll fight back on this point. You said we'll know within two weeks of them playing together. Is The problem is the first two weeks Kyrie is going to be bought in. Kyrie is going to be bought in, dropping 30 a game, going bananas, disgusting layups. They're balling. They're beating up on the Charlotte Hornets by 57 points, hopefully. Oh, of course. 
but then out of nowhere, Kyrie could just be like, oh, I don't like Burger King, so I'm not playing the rest of the year for some reason. Like, it's just stupid stuff like that, as stupid as it can get. And then it all boils up. It's literally a ticking time bomb at all times, at all times. Here's the thing. You're right. But there's only two months left in the regular season. I think he can hold it together. Now, he might have made some that's, backdoor that's, commitment. That's crazier than saying they're going to win the finals. It's saying Kyrie Irving can hold it together for two whole months of an NBA season. Because we haven't seen it. In a new situation, contract year, I mean, it's obviously not his last chance. But you you got to think, in his mind somewhere, he's like, this has to be, like, I have to buy in. This has to be where I prove myself. Because right now he's a head case. Obviously, I thought he would go for a lot more. And then I started thinking, like, oh, he might be a rental. But there had to be some sort of commitment on an extension of some sort. I think at least this year he buys in. I really do. And the thing is, Luke is out for these first couple weeks of him being on the team. So he'll have time to kind of take over, you know, get his get his mojo going, get his groove going, maybe find a shot a little bit with the new teammates. And then Luca comes back and they can kind of gel together. I think we'll know pretty quickly just based on how they work together if it's going to really work or not. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be complete your turn, my turn, basketball. But, and I know everyone listening to this is like, oh my gosh, you have to stop contradicting yourself. And the the thing is, like, I'm not contradicting myself. It's just the fact the Mavs still made the right move, but it's risky business. They're gambling. They're they're betting on a five-leg parlay to get them out of the hole. That's what it is. Well... I mean, they kind of had to do that or else they were going to just they, – they were literally just on a hamster wheel, treading water, wasting some of Luca's best years. And maybe he, he hit he hit his prime earlier than maybe some expected. But the fact of the matter is it's here. And these are – you know, he's an MVP candidate, MVP front runner with Giannis and Jokic and Bede, whoever else. You've got to try to buy in now and win those titles while they're mm-hmm. in this. Because what if Luca in three years, if they don't make this move, in two to three years Luca's looking at the Mavs front office like, all right, what the hell? You know, like, give me some help. It's almost, I saw somebody say it, like LeBron in Cleveland from 03 to 2010, right before he left for Miami. It was getting, like, those vibes before they made this move. So, I think they had to do something to, like, make him happy and get another star, at least for now. I think that that's the other thing, too, is that Luka had to okay this trade because... Oh, yeah. Or had to at least push for it because they have to make Luka happy. I know we've always seen, like, oh, all the European guys that come over, they're, like, they love, you know, being in Denver like Jokic or being in Milwaukee like Giannis. Yep. But this thing was bad in Dallas. It was getting bad. Uh, the last thing on this, and then we'll kind of move on real quick. I'm so excited in, like, the next, like, week or so we're going to start seeing the big three graphics, and it's going to be Luka, it's going to be Kyrie, and Christian Wood. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's going to be Christian Wood, who probably won't even start for them, which is fine, but he's probably the third best player. Or it'll be like, potential starting lineup, Luka, Kyrie, Tim Hardaway Jr., Christian Wood, Dwight Powell. I'm like, ooh, scary. But Is Christian Wood Chris Bosh? I mean, you know, I don't hate that. Third option, stress the floor a little bit. I don't know. The thing is with the Mavs, if you have Luka and Kyrie in a playoff series, if they both catch fire, like that that's a team you don't want to see in a seven-game series. No, especially if you're like the three seed going against the six seed, and you're like, oh, I got to go against Luka, and I got to go against Kyrie. But like like you mentioned right. before, the West is wide open. Like Besides the Timberwolves and like the Jazz, who are currently in a play-in spot right now, we'll see if that lasts. I anybody's in this thing like I know the Pelicans have been bad but if Zion comes back and they get healthy at the right time who's to say they can't win the whole freaking thing 
But that's what I was about to say is for the Mavs, I mentioned earlier, I could see them winning the West as a possibility. If the, if the dominoes fall right, and let's say they match up with New Orleans, I think they beat New Orleans in a series. I mean, we haven't seen Kyrie and Luka together, but New Orleans has been so dysfunctional, they haven't played together. Yeah, and that's hard to say, like a two-week playoff series. It is. A healthy Zion. Who's guarding a healthy Zion on that Mavs team? No, that's true. That's true. He's, that is 35-40 a game just from Zion alone on 12 of 15 shooting. Maxi Kleba. Yeah, exactly. All right, um, let's move on. let's move on real quick. Talking about the Kyrie trade though, the the team who missed out, the Lakers. They did. They did miss out. LeBron's tweets. I, I know I know you saw them. We talked about them a little bit on the group chat. Yeah, is is LeBron just wanting to become a basic white girl? You know, Starbucks, walk into Starbucks, get your name on a coffee, you know, just push the buggy around Target a little bit with your kids, whatever. And I knew he was going to get slander for this. I kind of, I kind of get it though. I mean, I'm, I'm not making fifty million a year and one of the best players of all time, but I kind of understand where he's coming from. Hey, 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 hey! He just wants to wear his Lululemon and drink a pumpkin spice latte. And what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that, Carter? I feel no, like there's, I a there's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of that in all of us. I understand the tweet, but if you had just used like any other coffee place or any, if he was like, oh, I want to go to Dunkin' Donuts and I want to just go into Costco. Then no, like I wouldn't have said that at all. But the fact he used yeah. Starbucks and Target, like he's like, I just want my name on a cup spelled right. And he's like, all right, all right. <laughs> or if he would have just been like, yeah, when I just walk into high school gym to watch my sons play, like I just get you know instantly swarmed and all this. Even something like that, like you're getting yeah, the no, same no, point. No, that's fine. You're getting yeah, the same get point that. across. Yeah, but uh, no, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, but he's 36 points away from the scoring title. I'm telling you what. FanDuel has some juicy, juicy bets right now. You can take LeBron to score, like to, to pass Kareem on a layup in a certain quarter for like plus 2,100. So if you're betting he scores 37 tomorrow against the Thunder, you take layup or three-pointer in the fourth quarter, you're making some money. I'm just saying. Or if you want to bet it, he does it in the What's Bucks a dunk? Game. You can take a dunk for like, I don't even know, like plus 3,000. If you take a dunk in the second quarter for the Bucks game, I was looking at that one. I mean, I don't know. It's pretty spicy. I'm going to play some money on one of those. I haven't decided yet. But going back to the Lakers and the whole Kyrie thing, LeBron's pissed. LeBron's pissed. He wanted Kyrie so bad. And if you're the Lakers, or if you're the Brooklyn Nets, is you look at each trade, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a first-round pick six years down the road, and a couple second-round picks, versus those Lakers first-round picks, Russell Westbrook and and then the difference was apparently Austin Reeves and if Max I'm Christie. LeBron, if I'm LeBron, Austin Reeves is out the door. Oh, yeah, and you'd know he was pushing for that. But the thing with the Lakers and the Nets is, I don't know if you saw, like, Joe Sy was really was like, screw you, Kyrie, you're going anywhere but Los Angeles. And That's so true. You, like, that, that story came out, that, and I believe it, because they've, you know, had a lot of problems in the past, a lot of disconnect mm-hmm. there. Joe Sy's even gone on Twitter, which, you know, for an owner to go on Twitter and kind of trash talk one of his players come on but it is kind of funny I wish Michael like, no, no way you're going I wish Michael Jordan would do that what if he just went on Twitter and was like Mason Plumlee if you don't learn to hit a free throw your ass is grass or something like <laughs> if Gordon Hayward misses one more game that's it you, you mean you don't like him you, you don't like Hayward playing 30 minutes and going what two for nine and scoring six points last night you don't like that <laughs> but anyhow with the Lakers they're stuck 
Like, the who, thing what with are the they going to do? If you're the Lakers, that was your chance to like really buy in. If the difference was really Austin Reeves, and the thing, if you're LeBron, you're not thinking about those 2027, 2029 first-round picks. You're out of the league by then, probably. You're like, let's win now. Let's get this title now. It's almost like what they did selling out for Anthony Davis. You don't know how many more years of LeBron you're going to get. He's playing, obviously, at a very high level right now. You don't know how healthy Anthony Davis is going to be year to year. You kind of have to take that shot right now for the Lakers. So, them not doing it. Their backup option has to be where they're just raiding the Charlotte Hornets, where they go and going after Rozier, Hayward. Like, Kyrie's the cheapest superstar you're going to get. I agree with that. And plus, he's had experience playing with LeBron. Like, LeBron, they've been teammates before. So, on a locker room personal level like that that was probably Kyrie's best bet to like keep his head on straight if you're the Lakers where do you go from here I mean I've heard Bradley Beal I've heard Zach Levine but the prices for them through the roof and plus their contracts I mean Kyrie's on a kind of a rental deal but if you're Brad Beal you're making what 300 million on your contract the Lakers aren't going to do that they don't have enough unless I mean and they're not going to be too much of a luxury tax team uh Bradley Beal Bradley Beal would be interesting Zach Levine does nothing for me. If Zach Levine goes to the Lakers, I think they make the playoffs and I think they lose first round. Yeah, I mean, Bradley Beal I think would be a difference maker, but like we said, the biggest fish for them to get was Kyrie. And I don't know all the background details, but they kind of whiffed on this. And you know LeBron's not happy. You know LeBron's knocking at Polinka's door like, dude, what the hell? Like, I'm 39 or 38, mm-hmm. whatever it is. I've got – and he just signed that extension. And he signed the extension to saying, yeah. yep, you, you better get rid of these first round picks. Craziest thing about all this, Kyrie got $2 million from the trade kicker. He got an extra two mil. I thought that was crazy. Last thing I wanted to mention about Kyrie before we move on, the Nets, what do you think about the Nets, them getting that in return? I think that's – I thought he might have went for more, but with the contract situation, with the the dismay he's caused every franchise he's been to, that's actually not a bad package. I mean, if you look at the Nets lineup, their best defensive lineup, they've got five of the top 50 defenders in the league, and Claxton, Royce O'Neal, Durant – Ben Simmons, if he can be on the court, and Dorian Finney-Smith now. It's not a bad team to build around Durant. I don't think they make the finals or anything, but, like. Yeah, but the big thing you have to worry about is you. Seth Curry and Joe Harris have to make shots. Like, I'm, I'm, and, they might ship off Joe Harris, but they got to make shots. And didn't what he has to be your second-leading scorer, which is that's what he was on the Mavs, but I mean, it's almost like the same thing. I feel like Brooklyn's going to be in the similar situation, like, all right, it's Durant getting the ball every possession. Like, you can't win like that. All righty, let me see here. Let's move on real quick. Uh, let's talk about the NBA trade deadline. Trade deadline's coming up. Everyone's talking about OG Ananobi. Everyone's talking about the Raptors are going to move half their team. The Hornets, nothing's coming out about the Hornets. Like, that's right. the scariest thing for us as Hornets fans. We're not, we're not going to do too much on the Hornets right now. I promise. I promise. We're just going to play a little buy and sell. I'm going to name a team. You tell me whether they need to buy right now, give up a bunch of first-round picks for someone, or they need to sell. We'll start this off, the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Um, Devin Booker's coming back tomorrow night. If you're the Suns, though, there's been some major red flags this year. Chris Paul clearly lost a step, maybe a step and a half since the finals two years ago. He's not the same guy he was. His contract, not great. It's what, $45 million or something like that for Chris Paul? I'm just thinking about it off the top of my head. DeAndre Ayton, yeah, he's averaging, what, 18 and 12? If you really watch a Suns game, you don't like what you see. He's not hustling back on defense, clearly not balled in, and I can't blame him. He signed with another team. They matched the offer, and so he's back in Phoenix where he really had some disconnect with Monty Williams, with some of the guys on the team. 
Then you got Jay Crowder, who clearly doesn't want to be there, hasn't played all year, is holding out. Jay Crowder's holding out. Like, what? What's the league come to? Anyways, there's a lot of red flags with the Suns. They've got to be looking to make a move. They've got to be looking to make a move. Somebody mentioned them in the Durant sweepstakes. I think that's more of an off-season thing. They were mentioned whenever he requested earlier this year. I think you've got to be looking to, to buy a little bit. I don't think it's time to fire sale, but if you can get something for DeAndre Ayton, why don't you do it? You know, yeah. if, if you can pack it, or if you can package Crowder in a pick for somewhere for like a really good fourth option guy, I, I don't see why you don't try to make that move. Like we said, the West is open. Chris Paul's clearly lost a step, but Devin Booker is one of the best five players in the West. So you kind of have to, you kind of have to buy. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think you have to buy because the windows now, the windows this year, at like a lot of people say, oh, the window passed back in 2021, whatever. They have a chance right now. If they go out they and they ball out and, give a ton up for OG Ananobi or someone like that yeah. that takes them to another level a little bit. Yeah. They're in this thing. Like if Chris Paul can stay healthy throughout the playoffs, which is a tough bet, but yep. if they can do it, like you have to buy right now. You get you never get this chance. You never get this chance as a, as an organization, especially in a small market like Phoenix. Like you never get this chance at going for it right here. Right. I still think that 2021 finals was their best shot. I just can't see Chris Paul getting back to that level he was playing at. Maybe in the playoffs he'll turn it on. He's been he's been pretty bad this year. He's been in and out of the lineup. He just hasn't looked like himself. Mikel Bridges has really turned it on. But like mm-hmm. Aiden doesn't seem to care. Cam Johnson just came back from injury. Crowder's holding out. I don't know. A lot of red flags with the Suns. Uh, next team. This one's an easy one. The Utah Jazz. Why is it easy? I'll let you go. Why? Sell. So. Why? Like why? They're in, the why? Play, they're in the they're in the playoff picture. Come on, Carter. Why? 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 You're never gonna get more for guys like Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, and like their value is never going to be higher. Mike Conley, this is your chance to get off the Mike Conley contract. Someone's True. gonna convince themselves into we need a veteran point guard. Let's bring in Mike Conley. It's sell, sell, sell time. If I'm the Utah Jazz, Mike Conley's gonna get Mike Conley situation is gonna turn into Kyle Lowry on the Heat. It's gonna be the same scenario for some team that buys him, but the thing with the, the thing with the Jazz, they got Kessler now, who's really turned out to be a very good asset. So you you kind of don't need Vanderbilt right now. You can get a lot for him, like you said, Malik Beasley might go for a little bit. Conley, you can get off of. I think they sell certain pieces. I think they they're in the market to sell certain pieces. Yeah, you don't sell marketing. You don't sell no. Kessler. Those that I mean, what a freaking front court for the future. I mean, those dudes are. That's that's phenomenal. Kessler yep. can make up for Markkinen's lack of defense, but Beasley, Vanderbilt, like they're nice role players. But yeah, if you can, if you can sneak your way into a first round pick for those guys, like get out, get out. No, I agree. I agree completely. And Vanderbilt and also, also if they if they're like if they really tank at the end of this year, you know, sit Kessler and Markkinen going out the rest of the year, they can really get into this draft sweepstakes. I know they won't be like hey, they're not going to have a 10 11% chance at the number one pick. They're going to be like 4 or 5%. They could get like a 6 or 7 pick. Yeah, I agree. It's just hard to do that when the team's been so fun this year, and they're still in the playoff picture. Yeah, like, no, they, and I understand that. They're 10th right now in the playoffs. They're 500, I believe. And, and the West, and most of the teams in the West are within four games of each other. Like, yep. I, I've, heard, I've heard this about a lot of good teams. The Jazz are two good weeks away from being a top four seed. The Sacramento Kings. Oh, bye. You have to buy. They need to. They need to buy. They need to buy. They, I don't know what I, it is they buy though. I heard a spicy one. It's funny I said spicy for spicy P. Pascal Siakam. Somebody said they could package Harrison Barnes and maybe Keegan Murray, which might be a little much. 
and I try to get Siakam. I would that's rather have Barnes and Murray. Well, that's too. I think that's too big of a change. They're already rolling right now. They're going to win their division. They're going to win their division, the Sacramento Kings. That's, Over that. the Phoenix Suns, the Golden State Warriors, the Los Angeles Lakers, and the Los Angeles Clippers. Like, imagine that. That's unbelievable. I I wish I would have taken that preseason. Who could have seen this, though? We have their win the, total over. We have their win total over, so we can catch yeah, that. That's true. The thing with the Kings, you have to buy now. I don't know if I would make a, as drastic of a move as, like, Pascal Siakam and shake things up that much. But if you're looking to get you a piece to send over the top, I mean, what do you think? I mean, an OG Ananobi type or like a carousel vert from the Cavs type of thing. Like another guy to like really push you over the top. I don't hate it. Yeah, I, I think they have to buy too. They're rolling. I don't know what they can buy, whether it's just something slight, but they they have a real shot at this thing. Like everybody, they really you're, do. you're telling me that the Denver Nuggets are that much better than the Sacramento Kings or the Grizzlies are that much better than the Kings. No. You're you're three bad Jamal Murray games away from the Kings beating the Nuggets in the series. Seriously. Um, do you have anything else in the NBA? I know we said we weren't gonna do it. Is Mitch Kovchak really gonna sit there and do nothing at the deadline? He better not. He better not. The Hornets if I don't care what we get. That it's it's to that point for the Hornets. I know we said we wouldn't do Hornets, but like we have just, to just, because just a quick minute, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you want, I'll put the timestamps below in the episode description. Just skip ahead, and you can hear talk us, talk us, hear us talk about Duke Carolina having a stroke while we do this podcast. Real quick about the Hornets, though. If they don't sell, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. It's literally to the point. I don't care what the Hornets get. I just don't want these players on this team. And it's, it's not to the even point where Russell Westbrook. I don't even care. It's not even like last year where, or a couple years ago, where like the Hornets are in the play-in conversation, and we're like. Oh, they're not really going to make a splash. We're like, they're you know they have a chance to make the playoffs. No, they're they're one game out of dead last in the league, and they still have Hayward. They still have Terry Rozier. They still have Plumlee. They still have Ubre. Two of those guys need to be gone. I don't care if it's a salary dump, a three-team deal. Like if they have to facilitate a three-team deal, whatever. Take on an expiring contract. You got to do it. You got to you got to play Mark Williams thirty minutes a game. You have to get some of these guys, and maybe even just sit Lamelo for the rest of the year. He's clearly got nagging injuries. I, yep. I mean, I'm not. I'm not mad at this. I don't want him. I don't want him playing a single game end of March and and all of April. If I don't want him anywhere near the lineup in April, I want Mark Williams playing 48 minutes a night. I want him. I don't want him to rest at all. I want to see a lineup of. Listen to this. I want to see a lineup of Booknight, Bryce McGowan, JT Thor, Kai Jones, and Mark Williams every game in April. How about that? You know what? Let's bring this up about the Hornets real quick. Talking about the trade deadline. How would you feel if the Hornets picked up Ben Simmons in the trade? I've seen some things about this. The only, the only reason I would say that I would be in favor of it or like not pissed if it happened, the Hornets are a small market team, and Ben Simmons clearly playing on a national stage with you know, Brooklyn, Philly the last couple of years doesn't work. Something doesn't click. His mind's not right. I think there's a chance he could have a little resurgence in a small market like Charlotte. There's also a chance that could be the end of his career. There's a great chance that that's it if he goes to a team like Charlotte or San Antonio or somewhere like that. If we don't have to give up too much, I'm 100% on Ben Simmons going to Charlotte. Why not? Well, there's no pressure. There's no yeah, pressure. That, and the thing is, if you're a Hornets fan, it it gets to the point where why not? Like, what do you have to lose yeah. at this point? You really want to watch Hayward limp around and shoot two for nine against the Magic on a Sunday afternoon? No. No, you don't. You don't want to watch Terry Rozier's 
career declining while you're paying him $25 million a year. No, you don't want to watch that. You don't want to watch Mason Plumlee get scooted by by every guard in the NBA. You right. don't want to watch that. But we've done too much on the Hornets. We said we wouldn't do it. Okay, all right. We, we've said we've done too much. Uh, right. You ready for college basketball or you, anything else in the NBA? No, I'm good. Um, last thing I'll say in the NBA, I'm excited for Thursday in the deadline. I, it, it hasn't really – there hasn't been a lot of reports out right now. Not a lot of, like, rumblings other than Kyrie. I think one more big move happens, whether it be yeah. a trade or somebody asks out. I think something else has to happen. And I'm curious to see how Durant reacts to this Kyrie stuff because it's been dead silent. All right. Well, uh, we'll be back. We'll do a show on uh, Monday after the deadline. We'll do an NBA show. I don't know if we'll have a guest on that one. Stay tuned for that. Follow us on Twitter on there. Uh, but let's do college basketball real quick after we take a break. All right. Let's talk college basketball right now. Duke, Carolina. Duke wins 63-57. The reverse jinx worked beautifully all week. All week, I was saying, congrats, Carolina. UNC plus three is free money. Carolina's going to win. Duke's going to lose. And everyone wonders, Carter, why are, you, why are you so pessimistic about Duke games? Why are, you, why are you so pessimistic about going into games? It's mind games. I'm thinking three steps ahead. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I could teach classes on reverse jinxes. It is Elite level stuff. Duke wins by six. Ugly, ugly game. I mean, my goodness. When a Duke Carolina game has a combined score of 120, when the over under is like 145 and a half, that's a that's disgusting. But anyhow, uh, I'll just take a quick victory lap. Carolina stinks. Carolina stinks. And this Does was Duke jarring. Stink also, that let me finish here. Okay. This was jarring for both teams because Carolina was so bad, and I understand it's a rivalry game, so, you know, your butthole's going to be puckered up a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. It's going to be harder. It's going to be it's going to be a lot harder to score. It's going to be a lot harder to feel confident. You're going to be nervous. I understand right. that. Carolina played so bad, Duke should have won that game by 15-plus. I mean so bad. I agree. I agree. I, I can't fault you for that. First things first, we were on the under. Easy money. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We, we knew what it was going to be. A little bit of a free throw discrepancy, but I'm not going to go and be one of those lunatic fans that's like, oh, my God, like Duke was in the like leading the free throw battle 15-3. to three. Yeah, it sucks. If you watch the game, Carolina took so many contested jumpers. They didn't attack the rim hard. They attacked looking for the contact instead of looking to make the shot a lot of the times. That was R.J. Davis. was just, good. Lively That's what I'm saying. R.J. Davis would just steamroll down the lane, hoping just to get the bounce back off Lively. Right. Lively goes straight up every single yeah. time. He went straight up every single time on R.J. Davis. And credit, I know we crap on him all the time, credit to the ACC rest because when he goes straight up like that, it's not a foul. It's not. No, there was, I mean, there was a couple calls that I was like, eh. But it wasn't like, oh, my God, Carolina lost because the rest were screwing up. No, they took, a, they took bad shots, contested jumpers, didn't attack the lane in the spots they should have. It was a rough watch. It was a rough watch, and I'll say a couple things. Caleb Wolf hit that first three. I was like, oh, my God, he's going to have 30. Of course, that didn't happen. Love finishes 5 for 15. R.J. Davis 5 for 16. Pete Nance 1 for 10. And I believe if the stats are right, Armando Bacall was like 0 for 6 when Derek Lively was guarding him one-on-one. So, yep. Yeah. Our, our, and when he wasn't guarding him, 6 for 6. 6 for 6 on Ryan <laughs> Young and, yeah, whoever else. And Filipowski and, like, yeah. whenever there was a switch on to Mark Mitchell or whatever. Yeah, Exactly. Baycott didn't really touch the ball much at the end. He didn't take a shot in the last 12 minutes of the game. Part of that's because Lively was playing good defense. But even if he is, it's the ACC player of the year, one of the front runners. You have to get him the ball, even if you have to force it. Because R.J. Davis wasn't knocking down shots. Caleb Love wasn't knocking down shots. Leaky Black was the best three-point shooter. Leaky Black. 
So you have to try to force the ball down low, even if all game it wasn't working. He could have gotten the line a little bit more. It was just a rough game all around to watch, and you would think Carolina especially with an experienced season team like this that's been in the rivalry, that they wouldn't have been like that. And, and they just weren't ready. They weren't ready. They were overconfident, and there's something weird going on in this Carolina team. You can see the chemistry is definitely, definitely off. I don't know if it's like a rift between Caleb Love and R.J. Davis, but something is off. What frustrated me was when, when of course, Hubert Davis goes in the press conference, like, oh, the free throw disparity, blah, blah, blah. Come on, man. You gave Armando Baycott four shots in the second half. Four shots. The ACC Player of the Year, and you're only giving him four shots? Get him the ball. Figure out a way to get him open and in this game because once you get Armando Baycott going, then you have to have help defenders go down there, double team him, and it opens the game up for so many other guys. But then when Armando Baycott's just not touching the ball at all, Duke doesn't have to double. They can play regular five-on-five defense. And Duke was smoking them on defense. I mean, Proctor and Roach were coming off those screens so hard. I mean, every single screen, they, they were right there, right there like a hound dog on Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. They played phenomenal defense. They did. And credit to Duke in this one. And I think the biggest storyline coming out of this, one, Jeremy Roach can be that guy at the end of games. That was huge. I mean, that layup over Pete Nance was insane. But the biggest storyline coming out of this, John Shire. The John Shire talk is over. He can coach. He outcoached Hubert Davis in every aspect of this game, without a doubt. He was phenomenal. Now, let's see if he can do that on the road, and he has a tough stretch coming up this week at Miami, at Virginia. Can he do it? We'll see you tonight. The game starts in like an hour and a half from where we're recording right now. But John Shire needed this one, man. John Shire and Duke fans needed this. It gives him so much more confidence, gives this Duke team so much more confidence going forward. And for how hot and cold college basketball is right now, I texted you this earlier, is yep. if Duke beats Miami and Virginia this week, Duke's a top 10 team probably. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, I that's just so. how crazy. 15 out of the 25 teams in college basketball lost last week. Well, the rankings are almost irrelevant because – all these ranked teams that are in the top 25 just lose, and then a new few teams move in, they lose. So it's like, if it keeps going at this rate, you know, Duke has two quality wins this week against Miami, Virginia, they'll sneak into at least the top 15. And if, yeah. some, of these, if some of these teams lose, I mean, they could go higher. Like, who knows? They got a lot of votes this week. I don't know, just the game in general. You mentioned it. Shire out coach Schubert Davis, and Carolina just coming into the year, I really thought they would have more depth. I really thought it would not be the whole Iron Five thing like last year. I thought... Styles was going to take a jump. I thought DeMarco Dunn would be a contributor. I thought Seth Trimble would play more than he has. He started a few games this year, had some good stretches. It's almost like they're not getting a chance. I mean, Jalen Washington, DeMarco Dunn, and Seth Trimble each played four minutes in the Duke game. If guys aren't hitting shots, if Pete Nates is not hitting shots, why is he playing 30 minutes a game? He doesn't do enough. He doesn't do enough other things that well to not give somebody else a shot. Bring in Tyler Nickel. He can shoot. I know he's a freshman. Look for some kind of spark off the bench if he's not, if, if the starters aren't making shots. I, I don't get it. I think he's too quick to just leave the starting five in for 40 minutes a game. If it's not working, it's not working. You've got to try to switch something up. I was so happy when I saw Pete Nance touch the ball in that last three. I was so happy. He was wide open, too. And I like I said this before, usually as a Duke fan, like, I don't care who it was, especially like that leaky black corner three I was convinced was going in. But I was too. And he, he like, had to take I was, that. I'm not mad at that. But when Pete Nance got that ball, I don't know what it was. I was like, no, nah, that's game. He is not making that shot. And he he should he talk, he took that shot 
and he got so he sh- tight. He got he so tight. He short armed it. He didn't even hold his follow through. He got so scared on the way up. Um, it'll be interesting on the rematch. Carolina, though, we'll talk about. We'll actually let's talk about the team that won. Let's talk about Duke real quick. Duke going forward, massive stretch this week for Duke. Yep, they have a legit shot of really making a three, two or three seed in the tournament. I don't think that happens. I think Duke ends up being a four seed, five seed when it's all said and done. Hopefully, yep. they make top four, get a double buy in the ACC tournament. But there. That I mean that that whenever you win that Duke Carolina game, it is so big for your confidence. It is so oh, big, yeah. and now all the fans have confidence. The players, the coaches, everybody around the program has so much confidence going forward, and that is so key. I know it sounds cliche, but it's so key going forward. And tracking back to Carolina, we're we're back to bubble talk. If you're a Duke fan. You're hoping that, th- that this game is looked back on as, oh man, this is really the point where they turned it on, turned the season around, and they came out firing against Miami, beat a good Virginia team. That's what you're hoping happens that when you look back on it. You're hoping it's not, man, that was a big win, and then they had a letdown spot. You know, mm-hmm. on the Carolina side of things, this is this is interesting because last year I think it was February 18th, maybe when they beat Pitt, and that's when they started this huge run of like ripping off 10 straight and going into March Madness. It's getting about that time, and it's, it's kind of getting to the danger zone again. You can't expect to replicate what happened last year. And I think that's the problem with a lot of these guys. It's like, oh, because we went to the NCAA title game last year, we're guaranteed a spot in the tournament. We'll turn it on. Like, the shots will start falling. You can't guarantee that this year. The ACC, some of the – like Carolina's got Wake, and they got Clemson on Saturday, and then State coming up as well. You could easily lose all three of those games and you're out of the tournament. Yeah, you you can't rely on being a bubble team and getting in on like namesake alone, and you can't rely on winning the ACC title game to get into the tournament. You can't do that because it won't happen. Because Carolina has Wake, Clemson, Miami, NC State, Notre Dame, easy win, and then Virginia coming up. Those are five out of six of those games are really tough, and, and they're, they're already zero and two going into their toughest stretch of the year. There is a legit shot they win one game. And if they really want to feel comfortable about going into the tournament, they need to win four of those six games. They really do. And then they have to win two or three in the ACC tournament, too. They have to do that. You can't just assume you're going to get hot. You've got to, you've got to do, some, do something. Hubert Davis got to figure it out. And with a veteran group like this, you, I didn't think it would be like this. The ACC standings are so funny because I'm looking at it right now. Clemson's 10-3. and three. It's kind of like the Western Conference in the NBA. Yeah. Clemson's 10-3. and three. Duke is 8-4, and four, and they're six right now. So, like – after you're, next you're, week, yeah. we could see Duke 1, Clemson 6, NC State 2, Miami 3, Pitt 5. Like you well, never it, know. It, well, nobody's jumped out to that huge disparity yet. So if you're you're like in the NBA, you're two good weeks away. You're four or five games stretch away from being top 4. Yeah, if, if you get hot. Uh, real quick in college basketball. College basketball is back Saturday. After a weekend of no football, there is like the Pro Bowl, but screw the Pro Bowl, whatever. Yeah, that was weird. But College basketball is back now, man. That was an unbelievable Saturday. I mean, every trap line hit. You know, Indiana was favored at home against the number one team, Purdue. Indiana take your wins. take your victory lap. Go ahead. Uh huh. Yep. I had and the night before. I see. Oh my gosh, Virginia Tech is a favorite at home against the number six Virginia rival. Yep. Of course, I'm taking VT. What happens? VT money line cash. Iowa State. Iowa State's only a one point dog to Kansas at home. Like, yep. w- what's going on here? Iowa State cash. 
And then uh, what was the other one? Uh, Indiana, yeah, Indiana. One-and-a-half-point favorite going against Purdue at home. Cash. I mean, all of those trap lines cash. Unbelievable college basketball Saturday. St. Mary's beats Gonzaga. Aiden Mahoney yep, yep. is now Aiden Mahoney's now setting himself up to be one of those dudes in the tournament. That's everyone's yeah. like, all right, like he's gonna yep. be he's gonna be talked about all the time during the tournament. He's gonna be the guy probably because yeah, it's not gonna I be agree. Zach Eady. Like when we talked to uh, Reeves about that, and if you haven't watched that episode, go check it out. Great episode. But when we talked to Reeves about that, he's like, yeah, Zach Eady cannot be the guy. That's going to be the face of college basketball. A big man can't no. do it. Oscar Sheboy last year. I can't believe I said that right. Oscar Sheboy, <laughs> national player of the year, but like, really? Like, is he really? that memorable? Yeah, he's not the face of college. No, basketball. they lose to the 15 seed St. Peter's. Yeah, it's not that guy. And we mentioned it with Riggs also. I mean, Baycott had a chance coming into the year. Like, like we said, there's no really clear cut player that didn't work out. I don't know who it is now. It's got to be somebody to establish themselves right before March. I got to say, though, even though college basketball's kind of had a down year so far, I think that may be a positive come March Madness time because you really have no idea what's going to happen. And I think you'll see that in some of the gambling lines that get released. I think, you know, if there's an 11 seed favored, that's not crazy. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna see. We're there is a legit shot we see a 413 game as a pick'em in the tournament. Yeah, because you just have no idea, and because the top teams, those teams are going to get the top seeds. They're not. You're not going to believe in them. You're not going to have faith in them. No. And in a one game, a one game, everything on the line game. What are they proving? A lot of these teams, and especially like these two seeds. Let's say like, I don't know, Iowa State or whatever is playing against a 15 seed from like the SoCon or whatever, the Patriot yeah. League, and they have a, they have just one point guard or one shooting guard that can just light it up. Who's to say yep. they can't even win that game? Like the tournament's going to be insane, and that's why I have an article coming out tomorrow. A very hot take. Ooh, it's going to be okay. a new co- a new column for me. Uh, I'm just whenever I have a hot take for like an article or whatever, the hot signs on. It's like the Krispy Kreme donuts. I'm turning on the hot yeah, okay. sign and preview for the article. I think UVU goes to the Sweet 16 this year if they can win really? the WAC. They have to win the WAC, which is tough. Well, the WAC is AKA the SoCon of the West. Tough, tough conference, but if they win the WAC, I genuinely believe this team is set up for a Sweet 16 run because they have the talent. They have a two-guard system that's great. Justin Harmon, Trey Woodbury, they're phenomenal guards. I know this is Spanish to you, but I'm just going to keep talking. The, Aziz Bandango, I mean, he can go up against anybody. Like he is a def- he as a as a defender, he can go up against any big man in college basketball. I firmly believe that they're not scared of anybody. They won on the road at Oregon. They won on the road at BYU. Both of those games convincingly. They should have won at Wake Forest. Took them to overtime. Lost on a Tyree yeah. Appleby Appleby uh, three point buzzer beater. They're, they can compete with these teams in the NCAA tournament. So watch out. Watch out for the Utah Valley Wolverines. Giving, giving them some love right now. But uh, anything shout out, else? Shout out, shout out Mark Madison. And with those lower with those lower seed teams, you just got to get them to buy in. And you can get the mm-hmm. guys to buy in, especially, I feel like especially this year. You can be like, mm-hmm. this team we're playing, oh, they have this weakness. Did you see them in this game? Like, we can pick apart their defense this way. You know, like there's going to be so many flaws in a lot of these higher seeds. I don't know what – there's a good chance we lose a lot of money in the tournament. I don't know what's going to Or you just pick the right – like there is one yep. double-digit seed that will probably make the Final Four this year. Like who's to say NC State can't get hot and make a Final Four run? Like, they have a two-guard system that's phenomenal in Quavion Smith and Jarkel Joyner. DJ Burns is a dog. One of my, Maybe my favorite player in college basketball, for being honest. 
he, he has a Carolina fan of hers. He's pretty cool to watch. You know, we're, we're a pretty sharp podcast. College basketball, you know, we've been kind of in the mud. Come tournament time, you know, all these Joe Schmoes and Joe Six Packs at home are going to be like, what the hell? This three seed's only favored by two and a half? Yep. No way they, no way they don't win. And uh, I don't know. And we were big on – I was big on NC State coming into the year. I said NC State yeah. or Miami. If you're going to put your money down on the ACC tournament, put it down on NC State or Miami. Yeah, uh, yeah. Speaking of the ACC, and we'll close here, Jim Beheim. Jim Beheim. Oh, my God. Jim Beheim is a senile old man and needs to get sent home. I cannot go. wait. I cannot wait for his last game to be in Greensboro on a Wednesday at 12 o'clock and he loses to Wake Forest in the 8-9 game. I cannot wait. I am sick of Jim Beheim. If Coach K tried any of this stuff, he would be getting obliterated. Oh, but you know yeah. what? Because no one actually cares about Jim Beheim because who cares about Jim Beheim? He won one national title. And when and if you haven't heard any of this, sorry if I'm going on this rant right now if you haven't heard it, Jim Beheim calls out Miami, Pittsburgh, and Wake Forest for buying their teams. Let me repeat those teams to you. Miami, Pittsburgh, Wake Forest. He didn't call out Duke. He didn't call out Carolina. He didn't call out Kentucky. He called out Duke, He called out Wake Forest, Miami, and Pittsburgh. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Even if they did buy their teams, who cares for one? How Secondly, much did they spend? They didn't spend that much. They, they didn't spend that much. They got them a few cookout trays and sent them packing. The thing is... Jim Beheim bought his teams. He bought the Mello team. He bought his 03 title team. Everybody yep. buys teams. Like, what is? why are we doing this? We talked to Riggs about this. Like, every single team buys teams. Like, it's just what it is. And then Jim Beheim's like, going out about this. Like, I, it is so ridiculous. And he's going after student reporters. And yeah. he's saying oh all this God, in that the was press ridiculous. conferences. If you haven't seen it, go on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Just type in Jim Beheim and just see what comes up. Because it is ridiculous. Like, it is genuinely it, – it's getting old, and it's just – I mean, because, like, then you have, like, guys like Say, like when Saban and Bayheim say, oh, well, these guys are all just buying their recruits. So are you. Salty. Shut up. Salty, yeah. And the thing with Bayheim, there was statements released today that they were like, oh, I apologize. I have nothing but respect. I don't mean to insinuate. He didn't – he did not say a word of that. That's the school and that's the program coming out and trying to cover his ass. He didn't say a word of that. He didn't mean a word of it, and then he was like – Oh, he called Steve Forbes at 2.30 in the morning to apologize, all this crap. Give me a break. He, he meant every word of what he said. They're trying to cover for him. They're, the program's coming out. The school's coming out like, oh, he didn't mean it. Like, he didn't mean to imply this. Yeah, he did. Just stand by it. If you're going to have outlandish takes, stand by him. You have to stand by it and just be like, yeah, you know what? I said what I said. I'm gone in college basketball in two months. Like, whatever. I don't care anymore. Yeah. Two things. One, that 2.30 a.m. phone call. One. Weird. Either definitely didn't happen because Jim Beheim is a thousand years old, and that mm. probably did not happen. Or secondly, that was a drunk phone call. That was a drunk phone call. <laughs> hey man, Steve Forbes, I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean that because that didn't have, happen let's either. Have a good game this year. <laughs> no, dude, I'm so sick oh, of him. Man. I I am praying. I hope the ACC gods, if there are them, or college basketball gods. Put Wake Forest and Syracuse in the eight nine game somehow at the ACC tournament. And what I'm I'm vowing this right here on the podcast. What I will do for the people of the podcast is I will be going to the ACC tournament. I'm I'm hey hey traveling man. I I'm a road warrior. I'm flying Boots a red on the eye. Boots yep. On the 
flying a red eye, leaving Salt Lake City Tuesday night, getting into Charlotte 5 a.m., going to be at the ACC tournament at noon. That's what I'm doing. It. No sleep. I don't need sleep. Sleep's for, for the people. I'll sleep for when the I'm, people. Yeah, I'll sleep when I'm dead. But this is my promise to the people of the podcast. Wednesday, if whatever session Jim Beheim is in on Wednesday, I will pay for a st- – I will make sure I get the spot right above the Syracuse Tunnel. Syracuse Tunnel, and I get to be there while he walks out on his last game in Greensboro. Oh, and, and, and you got to heckle, heckle him a little bit. Oh, oh my gosh! I cannot, I, I cannot wait for that. I will pay whatever amount of money I have to for that seat. You got to come up with some one-liners, like if they lose, hey, pay him. You should have paid more for your team, or uh, I don't even know. You got to come up with some one-liners to get in his face because you know he'll react if he hears you. <laughs> I want him to react. I want him to come up and try and smack me in the throat. I don't care. I want him to come punch me in the face. I would respect that more, but he's probably just going to whatever. I'm not about in the press conference. If you're a student at the press conference, just ask a question. He'll come after you next. I mean, that's all you got to (laughs) do. Screw Jim Beheim. All right. Well, uh, that's the podcast. That was a great episode. That was a good one. We got we got some good takes out there. I'm excited. We got the trade deadline coming up. College basketball is really heating up now. Now that the Super Bowl is about here, football is kind of dwindling down. Super Bowl. Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl props show coming Wednesday oh, yeah. night, early Thursday oh, yeah. morning. I cannot wait for that. I cannot wait for that. That will be out late Wednesday night. Uh, you'll probably end up listening to it Thursday morning. We're having the four-man football pod. We're doing a big-time Super Bowl props show. Have you looked at like the the all the lines and everything? There are way too many. It is it's kind of overwhelming. Some of the outlandish ones, yeah. I mean, there's always the you know the typical ones: coin toss, Gatorade, whatever. There's been some outlandish ones. I won't I won't name drop any, but. We'll talk about some. Yeah, I I have my list all ready to go. I have stats backed me up. I'm I'm prepared. I'm prepared. I'm going to do a little more homework tonight to get ready for it. I'm super yeah. excited, so stay tuned for that. Make sure to subscribe to the pod. If you're watching on YouTube, please, please like and subscribe. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple, go ahead and follow, subscribe, whatever you got to do to help out. Thank you so much, so much for listening. Check out CarterCast.com. Articles, picks, clips, blogs, you name it, it's on there. And follow us on social media at Connor underscore Sparrow, at Carter BA, at Carter Cast on all social media. And we will see y'all next time.